أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد uh, إن شاء الله before we begin uh, lest I forget we're not going to have the Sunday Riyad al-Salihin class probably until Ramadan um, we, if we do I'll post it on Twitter one of the brothers uh, uh, said to me that um, said to me that like I don't check social media because it's depressing. Uh, I said if you're so such a pious wali of Allah that you don't check social media, you probably don't even need to listen to my class. So, um, mashallah. But yeah, if you do, uh, just don't subscribe to me because mine's probably the most depressing. I, I know like there's manic depression, but mine's probably more like comic depression, most depressing account on the whole. Uh, comic depressive account on the entire uh, uh, internet, mashallah. Uh, but you can subscribe to Ribat and that keeps it really business, mashallah. Ribat's account, it's pretty straightforward, just has Ribat events and things like that. So that's one way of, that's one way of finding out. But there's a good probability it's not going to happen until Ramadan. Inshallah, inshallah, um, uh, there's a good possibility that we'll actually have something every day in Ramadan. So uh, make dua, inshallah, for that. Um, maybe or for the first twenty days, and then then itikaf somewhere. But uh, just you'll stay stay posted, inshallah. Uh, for, uh, keep keep uh, keep. I'll well, keep you posted for that. Stay tuned, I should say. So you saying no more classes after today until after Ramadan or in Ramadan? In, in Ramadan, inshallah. The Sundays, because the thing is, next week, and I'm going to be in Toronto. Then I'm going to be in mm-hmm. in Malaysia. Then I'm going to be teaching okay. the Tahawiyah in New York. Then okay. it's just just a series of things that are going to happen until then. So. That's uh, that's that's one thing. The second thing I wanted to thank Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for His fadl, and thank uh, you know the, the 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 Muslims and especially the ulama for uh, uh, their support in 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 uh, completing the 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 crowdfunding for the book. Alhamdulillah, it's uh, something that is a great amana and burden and. At the same time, and a great honor at the same time, that probably about a third of the donors for the book were themselves ulama uh, of different masalik and of different uh, uh, backgrounds and of different schools of thought and whatnot. And uh, um, mashallah, actually a good number of them gave more than once. And uh, we know that we know that our uh, you know scholarly class is not is not like the the one that carries the most economic clout, but uh, I feel like there are a lot of people who believe in the project. So I ask that people keep making dua. It was a small group of people. It wasn't a big group of people who gave for it. Even though the amount was, the amount that, that was asked for was $50,000, which includes the, the time it will take to research and, and, and to make the tahqiq of the book, the citations and things like that, as well as getting it typeset, printed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it actually comes out to like 300 and something like 335 or 340 or so. So, mashallah, the hater is going to say, ah, it's not 313 like the number of people that were there on Badr. That's what you think. There were actually a number of people who gave more than once. Whoever gave, I personally wrote an email thanking every single one of them. If you, th- if you got the email and you thought it was an auto-reply, it wasn't an auto-reply. I actually emailed you to thank you because I felt a debt of gratitude that somebody would help on such an important project. And those of you who gave twice, probably, unless I didn't remember probably got an email that 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 mentioned 
thanks for double dipping the khair, mashallah. And that was the ada of our aslaf that people would give again and again. Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu, this is one of the beautiful sunnahs he inaugurated in the ummah when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would ask. He would give once and then he would give again and then he would give again. Uh, when the Rasul said, who will give this much, who will give that much. So uh, uh, I, I feel very honored. Now there's just a small matter of actually completing the project, which uh, the burden is all the heavier. So please make dua for it. If somebody of you knows me and says, this is a great project and you're not worthy of, worthy of it, uh, you're right. So please make dua, Allah Ta'ala give us help uh, because it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's an important project, inshallah. Yeah, I'll send it to you after class, that's fine. Yeah, inshallah. It's okay. I'm not sure. No, mashallah, it's probably better not to. You can just ask somebody else, <laughs> text me or whatever. So, Babun fil hathi ala suwarin wa ayatin makhsusa. So this is the, the, the chapter regarding uh, encouragement for reading particular surahs and particular ayat of the Qur'an. And so, um, when we talk about the virtues of different parts of the Qur'an, there's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama, um, the usuliyun and the mutakallimun, whose methodology, whose methodology appeals to me more their idea is that no one part of the Qur'an is better than the other part because all of it is a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's when you look at it in the terms of aqidah. However, there may be a time and a place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, for example, Yasin is the heart of the Qur'an. Or reading Qul Hu Allahu Ahad is like a third of the Qur'an. Or uh, Ayatul Kursi is like this and Al-Fatiha is like that, etc., etc. And so... When you know when we say that the the Qul Hu Allahu Ahad is a third of the Quran, we don't we we mean that it's what it's equivalent to the base uh, reward a person would receive for reciting a third of the Quran. Because otherwise, if you're familiar with mathematics, if you were to say that it's a third of the Quran and you're talking about the third that Qul Hu Allahu Ahad is in, that's going to make some sort of like in, infinite regress type error. It doesn't even make sense. So uh, uh, we're talking about reward or we're talking about a particular effect, or we're talking about a particular encouragement by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to with regards to the recitation of particular ayat of the Qur'an. Otherwise, all of it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we don't differentiate between one part of his speech and another, or we don't say, I love Allah's mercy, but I don't like his, uh, I don't like his forgiveness. It doesn't work like that. If you, you know, worship Allah, you worship him, and if you don't, uh, if you dislike or if you discredit or dishonor one harf, one letter of the Qur'an, you've disbelieved in the entire deen. If you've disliked or disregarded one word of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or one sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you've disbelieved in the entire deen. This is very important to remember. In the old books of, in the old books of fiqh, uh, uh, it's mentioned that for a person to mock the turban or mock the beard or mock uh, a hijab or something that's a well-known uh, shi'ara of Islam, right? Why am I wearing a turban? Does my father wear a turban? No. Do any of my cousins wear a turban? No. Do any of the other kids I went to school with in Blaine, Washington or Cerritos, California wear a turban? One guy did, but it's because he followed the Sikh religion, right? Uh, nobody else did. The only reason I'm have a, I have a turban on my head is what is the sunnah of the Prophet Anyone who mocks something that's necessarily known as part of the deen, that person has mocked the entire deen. Uh, because if it's necessarily known to be part of the deen, 
then whoever rejects part of the message, it's as if he's rejected the entire part of the, the entire message itself. This is not like a Hamza is trying to be hardcore thing. This is like the actual meaning of the, the, the ayah of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuha rasulu ballig ma unzila ilayka min rabbika fa illam taf'al fa ma ballagta risalatahu fa ma ballagta risalatihi. Both of the qira'at come. One is that, Ya O Messenger, make the message reach its goal, uh, reach its intended audience. And if you, if you don't, then you haven't then you haven't conveyed your message. And in, in a different qira'ah, canonical qira'ah, then you haven't conveyed your messages. Suyuti, in, 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 the, in the tafsir Jalalain, I shouldn't say suyuti, it might be the mahalliya as well, I don't know which one, but in the tafsir Jalalain, which is not a, like a super complex or convoluted or uh, you know, advanced tafsir, it's probably the most, it's like the most bare bones tafsir that you can have. There's a lot of barakah in it in the sense that in very few words you get a lot of meaning out of it but it has very short comments like marginal comments essentially with regards to with regards to the wording of the Quran so that 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 the reason both of those qiraat are there at the same time is because the person who the person who hid part of the deen is as if they hid the with Allah as if they hid the entire deen the person who accepted part of the deen is as if they uh, rejected part of the deen it's as if they rejected the entire deen with Allah ta'ala there's uh, no negotiations that's the aqidah of it what does it mean when there's a virtue mentioned uh, of a particular verse or a particular uh, 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 a surah? It has to do with how much reward Allah will give you. Or it has to do with this particular effect that that, that surah or that ayah will have on a person. Or it, uh, it will have to do with Allah Ta'ala's desire for you to recite that, uh, uh, recite that, that, that surah as an action. But as far as the aqidah is concerned, uh, all of it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of it has the same uh, has the same uh, holiness and sacredness because it's a, a part of Allah ta'ala's kalam it's part of his eternal and un- uncreated attributes and Abi Sa'id and Rafi' ibn al-Mu'alla radiyallahu anhu qala qala li rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala u'allimuka a'zama suratin fil qur'ani qabla an takhruja min al-masjid fa'akhadha biyadi uh, Rawahu Sayyidina Abu Sa'id Rafi' bin Ibn Al-Mu'alla Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu It said that his uh, it said that his name is uh, uh, Abu Sa'id Rafi' although uh, some of the other muhaddithin narrate that his name wasn't Rafi' rather it was Al-Harith um, he was Shaheed Fi Sabilillah uh, 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 sorry so, so he says woman qala asmuhu Rafi'un faqad akhta'a there's some of the muhaddithin say that, that, that whoever said that it's uh, uh, Rafi' because whoever said his, his name is Rafi' is made a mistake because Rafi' was Shaheed fi Sabilillah in the Battle of Badr. Uh, so there's some difference of opinion regarding who the who the the, the particular narrator is. Rather, uh, rather it's known that uh, that he is uh, Ibn al-Mu'alla, and perhaps there has been some tasheef with regards to. Uh, uh, which one it is 
but why would the hadith be narrated by Bukhari? Because it's even if there's a mistake in which Sahabi it is, it's either one or the other, and both of them are going to be Sahih. So these things happen in hadith, by the way. If someone, if there's a discussion that that there's a serious discussion with regards to if it's one Sahabi who narrated or the other, that that much is accepted. Why? Because it's an upright narrator, one or the other, because a companion of the Messenger of Allah. In fact, if you read, uh, there's a there's a Hanafi usul book uh, uh, called uh, the usul usul Bazdawi. It's a, it's wonderful. It's written it, it's written in a very elegant style. It's very easy to understand, and it brings a lot of uh, a lot of really really interesting explanations uh, for things in, in usul. So uh, Bazdawi rahimahullah taala he wrote in his usul uh, uh, with regards to the marasil. Right? This is another thing, like there, Imam Malik and Imam Abu Hanifa considered like if a tabi'i narrates a hadith directly from the Prophet ﷺ, if it was known that that tabi'i, their, their habit was to only narrate from the Sahaba, um, they would accept it as if it's an unbroken chain. Why? Because it doesn't matter which one they narrate from, they're all, all of them are upright narrators, right? Um, and in fact, one of the, because Imam Shafi'i was the first uh, after after the after the first century in the second century after Hijra, he was the first of the ulama to say, "Look, if a tabi'i narrates a hadith directly, it's automatically there's no way it can be sahih because there's a name missing in the in the sanad." And so uh, uh, one of the one of the arguments uh, made against that is what is that many of the hadith even that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum narrate, there's a missing narrator obviously in them. So Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu accepts Islam very late in the in the in the life of the Prophet and him and other narrators often or not often but sometimes will narrate things that it's obviously not possible that they actually witnessed it. But the muhaddithin accepted that. Why? Because who are they going to be narrating from? It's not like someone is going to like live with the Prophet for two years and then some dude in Iraq is going to accept Islam thirty years later and then he's just going to be like, oh, okay, I believe you. You know, uh, he's only the the knowledge he has about the Prophet is going to be from those people that he kept company with when he first accepted Islam, from the senior Sahaba radiAllahu taala anhum. So if we're going to accept that, then why not accept? Why not accept? Uh, uh, um, uh, why not accept the uh, uh, the marasil of the tabi'in also the mashaykh of the tabi'in if they're upno- upright narrators who took their ilm from from uh, the sahaba radiallahu anhum that we should accept that from them as well and there are actually a number one would say why would why would the tabi'i not mention who heard, it, heard, heard the hadith from there are certain hadith which are considered like common knowledge right so nowadays if you have a a paper, academic paper you're writing. Mashallah, we have some big shot UFC and you know other big university PhD type folks over here. When I was in community college, Mashallah, I'm proud of I'm proud of my my community college background. Mashallah, if anyone's listening, to community college, Mashallah. Uh, yeah, CC all the way, baby. Um, when I was in community college, what we were told is that if something is uh, Available in more than five academic sources is considered common knowledge. You don't have to cite it. Um, so that's one reason why they may not have narrated it. B, uh, if your teachers were all Sahaba, عنهم, the need for the Isnad system at that time is not really that dire. Because everyone knows where all of the information is coming from. You can actually go verify much of it from other people at that point. So the kind of very like 
classical refined form of isnad that's necessary later on is not necessary at that time. Another problem is what? If Banu Umayyah, like, if your province revolted against Banu Umayyah in order to, like, try to install, like, uh, 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 you know, the great grandson of Sayyidina al-Hassan on, uh, in, into the caliphate, and then you just got quashed by Hajjaj bin Yusuf, uh, are they going to appreciate you, like, reading the hadith of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu in the Jummah khutbah? Probably not. You could probably get killed for it. So there, there's some political reasons also for 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 Irsal as well uh, um, that that some of the ulama has mentioned about Sayyidina Al Hasan Al Basri radiAllahu Anhu etc. But the point is that this is a just because the just because like some things like this happen. There's two things you should realize. One is if they were liars and cheaters and fakers, they would have not included the this information in it. Rather, they're honest people. Disclose whatever what whatever it was. They would disclose it as much as they they were able to. Why? Because by disclosure, you take the burden of responsibility off of you in case something happens to be wrong. But a logical thinking person will understand it could be one of two people, both of whom are upright narrators. So the hadith is fine. In fact, it's a it's it's a, a sign of the honesty of the. Muhaddithin that even mentioned these things. So what happens is that the, the hadith is that the, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said to me, I will teach you the greatest surah in the Quran. Uh, shall, or shall I teach you the greatest, shall I not teach you the greatest surah in the Quran before uh, we leave the masjid? Uh, and so he said that he took me by the hand, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Subhanallah. And then he, he, he said that when we, we uh, wish to leave uh, from the masjid, I said, O Messenger of Allah, uh, uh, you said, uh, 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 indeed I will, I will teach you the uh, greatest uh, uh, surah in the Qur'an, uh, the most magnificent surah in the Qur'an. Again, what, the whole aqidah disclaimer in the beginning, it's, uh, it's the one that, that, that you'll receive the most reward for it's the one that you'll repeat the most. It's the one you'll recite the most, etc., etc. It doesn't mean that part of the Quran is greater than other uh, other parts of the Quran in the aqidah sense, because all of it is the eternal and uncreated attribute of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. It says, "Shall I not teach you the greatest surah of the Quran?" The point is that whatever your your approach to aqidah and things like that, I mean, this, it's going to be important. So he said, "It's Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin." It's the Surah Al-Fatiha, uh, and they are the seven oft-repeated verses. Allah Ta'ala mentions that the 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 sab'a mathani in 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 uh, uh, in the in the surah al-hijr as well uh, uh, the seven uh, oft repeated verses alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin ar-rahman ar-rahim maliki yawmiddin iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'in ihdinas siratal mustaqim siratal ladhina an'amta alayhim ghayril maghdubi alayhim waladdallin so seven verses uh, but the, the Shafi'is, they insist that the uh, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim is part of the surah as well. And so, so look, the, they, the masahif that are written by them, they'll usually make uh, all into uh, one ayah. But, uh, but, uh, uh, suffice to say, we disagree, the Malikis and Hanafis disagree with them. And one of the proofs that something is from the Quran is that it's tra- transmitted through tawatur. And obviously, if like two out of four madhabs or three out of four madhabs don't a- agree, that's not tawatur. 
So there's some shock in it being part of the Quran any more than perhaps just an adab. And I'm sure if any of our Shafi'i scholars were here, uh, thank God they don't listen to my dars, Sheikh Musa or uh, Omar Qureshi or uh, any of the other Mashal Shafi'i ulama, I'm sure they would mount a brilliant uh, uh, refutation of the little broken uh, fiqh that I put forward that would uh, leave you in no doubt that they're right and I'm wrong. Uh, but uh, at any rate, so it's the Sabah Mathani, the seven, the seven oft recited verses, and it is the Al Quran Al Azim, the magnificent Quran that I was given. Meaning what? The, the Fatiha is like a like a, a like a, like a, a, a small like model of the entire Quran that Allah Taala gave to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Not just in its meaning. You can go take a Tafsir class and uh, uh, you know read about that, but. Uh, uh, not just in its meaning, but in its u- utility and its use and its reward, because it's the most often recited surah. There are many other virtues to it. Uh, Ibn Arabi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he wrote, and I heard this in a dars given by Sheikh Nuh one time, who quoted that he, he quoted about an old woman who was a, a waliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and she was known to be mustajab da'wat, that she would make dua and it would be answered. And so he kept her company for some time and asked her, and he said one of the, the strange things that she commented, would often comment about, is she would look around and see people in difficulty, and she said, I don't know why everybody goes through so much hardship, don't they know the Fatiha? Because when she would read the Fatiha, she would make dua, and everything she asked for, she would receive. Uh, and so, you know, that, that was one of the things, is that, like, you know, there's a lot there, if you, if, you, if you know how to tap into it, and you know how to use it, inshallah, if you ever figure that one out, uh, please make dua for me as well. وعن سيدنا أبي سعيد الخضري رضي الله تعالى عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال قال في قل هو الله أحد والذي نفسي بيده إنها لتعدل الثلث القرآن وفي رواية أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لأصحابه يعجز أحدكم أن يقرأ الثلث القرآن في ليلة فشق ذلك عليهم وقالوا أينا يطيق ذلك يا رسول الله قال قل هو الله أحد أحد الله الصمد الثلث القرآن رواه بخاري. so this is narrated by سيدنا أبو سعيد الخضري رضي الله تعالى عنه that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said in regards to قل هو الله أحد I swear by the one in whose hand is my soul. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ is equal to a third of the Qur'an. Meaning what? Its recitation will, will garner for you the reward, which is equal to the reward of a person who read the read a third of the Qur'an. Uh, uh, he said that, uh, 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 then he said to his companions, are you too, are you, are you too weak? Are you unable to, uh, is one of you unable to read a third of the Qur'an in, in a night? فَشَقَ ذَلِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ So the, and they were they they felt that that was that was difficult for them like just that he would ask them and they knew it was difficult for them they felt the burden of that uh, and they said yeah well, messenger of Allah which one of us is able to do that which obviously there were amongst them those who did but there are also those amongst them those who weren't uh, and it's important also to balance two things that are true at the same time. One is that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, our respect for them shouldn't let us lead us to believe that they, they were some sort of like a Marvel superhero, X Men like type people who were just doing like 
just doing like unreal stuff. They were like regular people. In fact, I wouldn't say regular people. Their lives were a lot harder than ours were, in fact. Um, for them to make time to pray five times a day was much more difficult because you have to get water from wells and there's nothing to eat and all this other stuff, right? Um, and then the second thing is that they were actually Marvel superhero level people. Why? Because they weren't. And they still did everything that they did. And I think some people who try to enchant themselves into believing that they somehow had some sort of like weird innate superpowers or whatever are just uh, uh, like completely like not recognizing what the greatness of those people were. That they had very real problems. In fact, their problems were much, much more real than ours were. I mean, they're, I mean, they, 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 they literally, they were Jahiliyyah just a couple of years ago. And uh, they dealt with all of those issues. And uh, uh, Jahili uh, or Arabia, uh, you know, there's no part of the south side that was, or the west side that was as dangerous as, as, as Jahili Arabia. Um, and yet, yet, look at all of the, the things they did and look at the beautiful people that they turned into. When you think of that, then you know that they're like completely like out of our reach, out of our grasp. Uh, so this was them being real. That they said, which one of us can recite a third of the Quran uh, in one night? I mean, think about that. There are probably more Hafaz right now in, in Chicago, in Chicagoland, than there were, uh, you know, in, in, in any part of Medina Munawwara in the life of the Prophet in the recitation sense, maybe. Uh, in the true sense of hifz of the Quran, obviously it's no competition. So they 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 asked uh, they asked uh, uh, Rasulullah asked, and so with us it's like yeah someone else should be doing that. With them they felt bad that they couldn't do it themselves. So they said which one of us is able to do that, O Messenger of Allah? Um, and he responded to them. He says, "Qul huwa Allahu ahad, Allahu samad is a third of the Quran." And just so you know, just so the person doesn't be like, oh man, my hips teacher, this doesn't apply to you, you kids. You guys have to finish your hips. Otherwise, uh, no, you, you know, my children, I'm not going to forgive you. You're not, your Baba's not going to forgive you. Just finish your hips and don't, you know, don't worry. This is about somebody else. But if some other person wasn't able to do their hips and Qari Sahib was real hard on them and like they just couldn't make it, you know, there were Sahaba, again, this doesn't apply to you guys. There, there were Sahaba on whom that didn't. You know, Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhu, he used to read Qul Allahu Ahad in both rak'ahs because that's all he knew. And, you know, to say that he did service for Islam is an understatement. He was the unbroken sword of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so, so, yeah, there's, there's Allah ta'ala, this is from His mercy. And this is one of the things that a person, if you read this hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and if you read the Qur'an uh, properly, you should come up with uh, a, a, a conception of the spiritual world that uh, is like a halal Easter egg hunt <laughs> has nothing to do with Easter <laughs> but it's just a concept that like you know as a kid it's like magical you know you, you, you get a go around and like everything you look behind there's like some candy or something sweet or some chocolate or something nice like pleasant for you to find and that's what the deen is like spiritually that's what the deen is like everything pick up a pillow in Khalil Center and you'll find the the fadl of Allah Ta'ala stashed away you don't have to go very far I can see like in, in this one room there's like you you should be able to you know anyone who's read the books of hadith should be able to at least count 30 things that will enter a person into Jannah just in this room uh, and, and so Allah Ta'ala says in his book he says say to my slaves that ha have committed excess against themselves uh, don't, don't uh, despair of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala indeed he forgives all sins indeed he was merciful and forgiving 
so if a person thinks that Islam is like some sort of a, a tor torturous burden or whatever, they're obviously not paying attention. They're obviously not paying attention. What did Rasulullah say to his Sahaba anhum, that Allahu Ahad is like the third of the Quran. If you get up and you read two rakahs tonight after your after your uh, your your isha is done and your witr is done that you wouldn't do before, and you thought I want to have the reward for the reciting the entire Quran, so you read Qulhu Allahu Ahad like two 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 times in one rakah and once in the next one, and you make it a habit for the rest of your life. What happens eventually? The the seed of the love of Allah Taala it it grows inside of your heart to the point where you may become a person who actually reads the whole Quran in a night. Right? Those things don't happen just because people like want to look good. A person who doesn't have love for Allah Ta'ala in their heart, they won't have tawfiq of being consistent and things like that. Uh, so there's a lot, there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on over here. وَعَنْهُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْهُ أَنَّ رَجُلًا سَمِعَ رَجُلًا يَقْرَأُ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ يُرَدِّدُهَا فَلَمَّا أَصْبَحَ جَاءَ إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ فَذَكَرَ ذَلِكَ لَهُ وَكَأَنَّ الرَّجُلَ يَتَقَالُهَا فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَالَّذِي نَفْسِ بِيَدِهِ إِنَّهَا لَتَعْدِلُ ثُلُثَ الْقُرْآنِ رَوَاهُ الْبُخَارِي uh, Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri uh, uh, also narrates that a man heard another man reading Qul Hu Allahu Ahad uh, uh, again and again uh, uh, and uh, uh, um, so that he's reading it uh, uh, again and again and then it, when the morning came he went to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he mentioned that, that I heard this man reading it again and again and, uh, uh, and it's as, as if he mentioned uh, uh, it's as if he mentioned to uh, mentioned uh, to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam about this person who just kept reciting "Qul huwa Allahu Ahad" again and again. That like he thought he thought he didn't think much of it. He didn't think very highly of it. He thought like this is a very childish or juvenile thing. Like "Qul huwa Allahu Ahad." I mean, there's an entire Quran, and they heard it revealed, so they know which surah is what, they remember where it was revealed and what, you know, this surah is talking about jihad and this surah is talking about fasting and this surah is talking about the other anbiya and these epic stories and the sea is parting and all these other things and this dude is just reading Qul Hu Allahu Ahad again and again. So he mentioned it to the Messenger of Allah as if he thought he didn't think much of it. And so the Messenger of Allah replied to him, he says, I swear by he in whose hand is my soul, uh, indeed it is, it is equivalent to a third of the Qur'an. I think it's equivalent to reciting a third of the Qur'an. When Sayyidina Abi Hurairata radiallahu anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala fi qul huwa Allahu ahad innahu lata'dilu thuluth al-Qur'an. Indeed it, it, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's equivalent to uh, 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 a third of the Qur'an. When Sayyidina Anasin radiallahu ta'ala anhu anna rajulan qala ya Rasulullah inni uhibbu hadhihi surah. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ فَقَالَ إِنَّ حُبَّهَا أَدْخَلَقَ الْجَنَّةِ رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن رواه البخاري ورواه البخاري في صحيحه تعليقا So Sayyidina Anas bin Malik رضي الله تعالى عنه He mentioned that a man said O Messenger of Allah Indeed I love this surah قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said in response, indeed your love of it uh, has entered you into Jannah or will enter you into Jannah. 
So this is what it means that the, 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 the seed of love, when it enters into the heart of a person, then uh, you know, big things will happen. Big things will happen from that. And uh, um, there's another hadith. To be honest with you, I don't know if he's going to bring it later uh, uh, or not. Uh, um, but there's another hadith of a, a man who used to lead the, lead the salat. With Qulhu Allahu Ahad, and he would read another surah, and then he would read Qulhu Allahu Ahad in that rakaah as well, in every rakaah. And uh, uh, the people complain, why is he doing something that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't do? Which is a valid complaint in the sense that the fuqaha have decreed this is not a sunnah that the Prophet sallallahu did, so we shouldn't, you know, fake it trying to you know act pietitis because this was just something that that man did from his. Uh, uh, spontaneously from his own the genuine state that was in his heart so we're not supposed to imitate him fakely but for him to do it spontaneously out of his love that was appropriate so the messenger of Allah asked him why do you do this and he said I did it for no reason other than I love uh, to hear about uh, 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 the oneness of Allah Ta'ala Allah say Allah is one Allah is Samad Allah is the Samad Samad is who the one who uh, 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 the one who uh, if he wishes to do something, it happens. And if he wishes something not to uh, not to do something, it, it will never happen. Um, and another meaning of sumud is uh, is eternal is is like being eternal in the sense that sumud means like to withstand a uh, to have the ability to withstand a siege or an attack. So uh, uh, you know if if uh, if uh, you would use that verb like for example if a city was under siege, you'd say you know ayasmiduna are they are they like withstanding the siege naamiyasmidun or la lamiyasmudu they were able to withstand it or not meaning to not have need for anybody else or not be affected by others. So Allahu samad lam yalid wa lam yulad neither did he give birth nor was he given birth to. And there's nobody like unto him. Uh, um, and it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful summary of the the aqidah of the Muslims with regards to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, which negates which negates oceans filled with batil that other people say about Allah al-Iyadu billah Taala Allahu amma yasifuna. So he said that I love I love to hear. And these are people who used to worship idols. So when they say I love to hear the surah, that's what it meant to them. It cleared all the clutter out from their hearts. He said that I love uh, I love Qul Allahu Ahad, and uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam responded. He said, "Indeed, its love has entered you into Jannah." When Uqbatu wa Asafun an Uqbat ibn Amir رضي الله تعالى عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ألم ترى آيات أنزلت هذه الليلة لم يرى مثلهن قط قل أعوذ برب الفلق وقل أعوذ برب الناس Rawah Muslim. Uqbat ibn Amir said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, uh, don't you see that there are ayat that were revealed in this uh, night? No ayat were revealed like them before uh, at all. Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq and qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. And so these two, these two ayat are protections for a person from so many harms and dangers from other people. And uh, mashallah, life is replete with Experiences that feel pretty bogus uh, with other people like trying to go after you. And the more pious you are, 
the less like reason or rationale there probably is going to be for people going after you. If you've been, you know, I guess robbing gas stations for the last month, they're probably going after you with good reason. Um, but, uh, you know, the more pious you are, oftentimes they'll go after you for no reason at all. And uh, uh, um, these are help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From people's spiritual attacks and their their physical attacks. So people should read them. Read them after your salat, every salat. They're protection for you. And there's great khair and barakah in them. There's a lot more in terms of the, the tafsir of the, the sha'an al-nuzul of these ayat, but I don't, I don't want to get into it right now because not a tafsir class is going to take a long time. So Uqbat ibn Amir, uh, the, the com- uh, Ibn uh, uh, Allan, he mentions about him. Al-Juhani al-Qudai, qala al-Hafiz al-Zahabi. So he mentions something from Hafiz al-Zahabi's uh, uh, biography of him. So Hafiz al-Zahabi is who? He's a great muhadith uh, and a, uh, um, a, a champion of the Athari methodology of, of ilm, uh, Shafi'i, Hanbali, a great admirer of Imam Ahmad, although I think he officially was considered himself a Shafi'i, but he is a great admirer of Imam Ahmad and his methodology. Um, and he wrote, amongst other amazing books that he wrote, he wrote a, a biographical uh, encyclopedia of all the major figures and ulama and f- major figures in the history of Islam uh, until his time from uh, from. Uh, the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa starting with him. So if you want to l- look up somebody uh, from the first centuries of Islam, you'll look in his Seer al-A'lam, the, 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 the seerahs of the notable ones uh, 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 that, he, that, that, that the biographical dictionaries put together. So you know, you can do that, like Maktaba Shamala. Have you ever used Shamala before? So you can, there's apps like for, for this stuff. If you don't know Arabic, go ahead. Sheikh Lahin program down the road. If your Arabic needs to be dared a little bit, then go ahead and practice it. But once you can read, there's like a, a lot of in- amazing information. So uh, you can download the Maktaba Shamil at your phone. And sometimes like if I'm in a flight or something like that, I'll look up amazing people, right? Like the whole Imam Abu Hanifa's father giving Sayyidina Ali Faluda. Guess where I found it from, right? From the Sira Al-Alam. So uh, there's an entry here. There's a lot of really interesting stuff. A lot of really, really neat and interesting stuff. And because if you look at the way his mind, the mind works, he's a muhadith, right? Zahabi is a muhadith. He's a master muhadith. So the history is all about connections, like human connections that this person studied with that person. They met that person. These people interacted with each other this way, that way, etc., etc. And he has, he has like a great amount of adab because many of the ulama that he, he writes about, they're like mu'tazila or they're like heterodox people. And so unless the person is especially egregious, um, he usually, he'll write like this person was a great scholar and he was the most knowledgeable of hadith in his time, uh, in his in his area, and he was the most knowledgeable of this, that, and the other thing, the other thing. And uh, uh, then he'll write at the end like, but, you know, he was, he was uh, uh, um, inclined toward the way of the Mu'tazila, may Allah forgive him. Or he'll write, he'll, he'll write something even even stuff that like completely he doesn't agree with, he'll still write in a relatively charitable manner. So it's very entertaining. His entry on uh, Ibn Arabi is great. Like he'll write about all of his like amazing qualities, and then he'll write at the end that in his book such and such, 
Uh, if what's in that book isn't kufr, then I don't know what kufr is. <laughs> but but despite his despite his uh, uh, like stern uh, uh, difference of opinion uh, with people, it didn't begrudge him from mentioning the good things about the person. Which nowadays, mashallah, when we don't like somebody over relatively small things, then oh man, we paint the entire town red with anger, and uh, uh, all of a sudden that person is like you know like. If someone hears about them from you and you're angry with them, you might think that they're going to run across the street and knock like a grandma out of her wheelchair and take her purse or something like that. And the fact is that no, people, very few people are actually like, like that. In fact, almost nobody's like that. Even the people who do stuff like that, usually there's a reason that they did it. It's not because they like doing evil things. But uh, so, yeah, anyway. And the other nice thing is for all of those who are like, oh man, I could never do that because I'm not an Arab. The hubby was a Turkoman. People don't know this. Dahabi was a—he was a, of a Turkmen tribal origin, mashallah. So, anyhow, so he writes, Sahabi Kabir, that he was a, a great Sahabi, uh, Amirun Sharifun Fasihun Mukrit, that he was a commander and he was from the noble and um, noble ones of uh, of the Arabs, and he was Fasih. He was a, a, a eloquent man, and Mukrit. Uh, uh, that he used to he used to actually teach the Quran to people. He was an authorized Quran teacher, which not all of them were. Um, and uh, Sha'ir, and he was a poet. The poetry of the Sahaba is really awesome. Uh, it's another reason to learn Arabic. Uh, um, and man, mashallah, they had they had good rhymes, and they used to stick it to their enemies, and it sounded really good. There was a lot of style. I could see, like, mashallah, how their enemies used to probably really despise them because one thing is to like beat someone down, but then to do it with style is it's kind of like that Muhammad Ali quality but in classical Arabic mashallah uh, Allah ta'ala have mercy on, on him uh, he was an admiral he was a commander of the he was a commander of the, the fleet of the Muslims when that finally took form uh, uh, may Allah ta'ala be uh, may Allah ta'ala be pleased with him uh, so he mentions that uh, have you not seen uh, ayat that were revealed uh, in this night uh, that w- that no nothing like them was ever seen before. We mentioned that, or we read the translation before, so you should read it after every salat. You know, say so you're at work or something like that, and you have to get back to work quickly. Once you're done with the salat, you can read the adhkar just on your tongue while you're like walking back to your cubicle or to your whatever, to your uh, you know w- widget assembly line or whatever. You you, you can read those things just uh, on your tongue. In fact, sometimes the more brainless and boring, like mind-numbingly boring work, has it gives you a lot of opportunity to make the zikr of Allah Taala. If anyone ever wants to have a job that uh, uh, is really difficult and like completely repetitive, that will probably end up in you like becoming some super wali of Allah. You can be a slaughterman in one of uh, the halal advocates of pure slaughterhouses will get you a job because you're literally the birds are coming by 60 70 of them a minute although a person is not going to slaughter all of them they have like altar like every third one like three men on the line and things like that but i guarantee you if your job is the whole day to say bismillah allahu akbar i promise you uh, i promise you you will be like a wali of allah if that's what you're putting in 40 hours a week doing you know for like the next 20 years i promise you you will like see dreams of the future and like People will smell perfume for your grave and things like that as long as you like you know don't like harm people and small animals on your free time or do something other crazy to like mess that up. No, seriously. Have you you know Imam Nawawi rahimullah ta'ala has a has a his his weird has anyone here seen it before? The or the hizb of Imam Nawawi 
It's like a weird liquor to do in the day um, for protection, particularly protection from your enemies, right? The thing starts and ends, the whole thing is Bismillah Allahu Akbar. The entire thing is Bismillah Allahu Akbar. And Nawawi is not like, you know, Nawawi is not somebody that someone's going to say anything about. I mean, he's basically like, he's one of the few people in our history that more or less everyone agrees like this guy was for real and he was amazing and... There are a lot of people who are for real and amazing that like people, somewhere or another will have some objection to. And Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala was not, is not one of them. So, uh, you know, count these things as a blessing. If you have some free time or like a long commute or something like that, instead of like listening to NPR make fun of Muslims in other countries the whole time, just listen for whatever the back 10 minutes of your commute, you'll get all the news you need to. Uh, and in the middle, uh, in the middle, uh, just read the Quran. It's a pledge drive this week or last week anyway, right? It's kind of annoying. So just shut it off and read these things. It'll be a benefit, inshallah. One said, Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yata'awadhu min al-janni wa ayn al-insani hatta nazalat al-mu'awwidhatayni falamma nazalata akhadha bihima wa taraka ma siwahuma. Rawahu tirmidhi wa qala hadithun hasan. Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to uh, make dua to Allah ta'ala for protection from jinns and from the, the, the evil eye, or the eye, meaning the eye of uh, the, the gaze of a person who uh, is uh, a hater, uh, the gaze of a, a person who is, uh, who is jealous. And uh, he said that after the Mu'awwidhatayn bin Nas were revealed, he would just use them instead of the other du'as that he used to read uh, uh, for protection uh, uh, from those things other than them. So if someone is hating on you, if someone's hating on you or you see them looking at you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, just, you know, you can just read, read, Nas. And this is something to remember as well, right? There are two modes of recitation that are, that are, that are recitation, right? One is out loud, the other is quiet, and according to the Hanafi and the, the, the Maliki, Madahib at least, because those are the ones I studied, you can ask the other Mashaykh, but at least according to both of them, the quiet recitation is So you don't even have to be breathing. You can, all, all it is is by moving the tongue and moving the lips the way you would in the recitation of, the, of them. So you can do it quietly, nobody knows what you're doing. You can do it quietly, nobody knows what you're doing. And mashallah, uh, you know, uh, Allah Ta'ala is not going to send all of you people to Jannah with like, you know, with your maqam of sainthood for free. There's a lot of haters and stuff like that out there. Uh, uh, so if Allah Ta'ala avails you this, this protection, please, please do use it uh, in public and in private. Yes? No, it's just by moving your lips and tongue. Yeah. Even in the salat, right? Because the thing is, like, for example, in a, in a in a Siri salat like the zuhr, right? Zuhr, the the sunnah level of recitation is more than people recite in zuhr. The masnoon amount of recitation is from the osat to the tiwal of the mufassal. It's like it should be like longer than longer. Like it should be like rabbikal a'la all the way until the amount you would write, recite in fajr. But very few people do that, right? And so one of the things is someone's like, oh, it's going to take a long time. If you don't, if you, uh, the recitation is only with your tongue and with your lips, you don't have to stop to breathe even. You can recite a fair amount of Quran relatively quickly in it. 
because you don't have to voice you know you don't have to voice the voice to consonants you don't have to that, that all that stuff takes effort to do properly whereas if you're just moving your tongue and your lips like a lot of those a lot of the 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 letters you really don't i mean it's just like touch you don't actually have to like sound them out uh, so a person can read quite a bit and this is another thing actually i think zarnuji he put together ta'alim al-muta'allim which is like one of the first books that you read when you're a madrasa student that talks about the adab of, of studying he mentions that that one of the things that uh, increases a person's intelligence is the silent recitation of the quran and the reason i the reason i i, I uh, um that after thinking about that, why would he mention that? That comes to my mind at least, is that uh, um, the the silent recitation is less less of a, a a concrete experience and more of an abstract experience because you have to you have to use your imagination to hear the the words rather than rather than actually hear them right. Whereas like an animal could hear the Quran in the same way that you and I do, but the imagination it brings the brings the the recitation into a deeper part of the of the mind now obviously if you're doing hifs that's that may not be as helpful uh, because you're actually hearing it and moving your tongue and things like that and voicing all the, the letters and things may be more helpful for you to like develop the muscle memory of being able to recite it and let's let's be frank you know it's, much of it is muscle memory that's why when you make a mistake in the end of the ayah it's hard to go it's easier to recite the next ayah than it is to even remember the beginning of the one you made a mistake in but there's khair in both of them there's a great hikmah allah ta'ala dividing the prayers between the silent and between the the the, uh, uh, the 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 out loud prayers there's a great hikmah in reciting silently and you can do it very quickly and easily and many people just kind of ignore that or they discount zuhur and asr as like kind of like you know, like Isha and like Fajr are like the premium Salat. You know, that's where the fancy Imam leads the prayer in the masjid. Whereas the other one, just any uncle can. It, it's Salat. It's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a hikmah in each one of them. It's not like, like you know, like A-team Salat, B-team Salat. It doesn't, JV, you know, it's not like that. Each one of them has has its its hikmah. Even though some may receive certain rewards that others don't. Uh, but each one of them has its hikmah and, 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 and wisdom. Yes? Yeah, yeah. You can say your you can say your zikr quietly as well, for sure. In fact, not only that, uh, the the zikr is because the recitation of the Quran has the right that you at least move your tongue and your lips. Much of the zikr is just done inside of the heart. You don't you don't move anything. You just you literally you sit down and and you you close your eyes and just listen to it rather than say anything. And you're not listening to it as in like it's being broadcast on a. A speaker or you're playing it on your mp3 or on your iphone or whatever right you just you hear it you hear it inside of your heart you hear it inside of your breath etc uh, etc et that's the whole point actually there's from the from the the i guess the theory of orad which is what i hear from our mashaykh and elders um I, I not that i know any of this stuff myself but i hear like they say stuff i was like wow that sounded really cool uh, they say that the mashaykh who give the prescribe the loud zikr versus the ones that prescribe the quiet zikr the end is is both of them the the point of even saying the zikr out loud is so that you can hear it so that it's being said is less important than the fact that you're hearing it and when we say you're hearing it it's not you're hearing it inside of your ears but here to hear it is like a like say the musa alayhisam heard the 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 re the revelation of Allah Taala with his you know with his head and with his hands and with his body just like he heard it in his ears uh, that that it's a 
it's a metaphor for experiencing something. It's a metaphor for experience or sensing something, but it's not, it's not physically sensed. It's sensed through the, the spiritual apparatus. So even if you're saying it, the fact that you're hearing it is more important than the fact that you're saying it. Uh, we talked about that last week also, that the that, that's the hikmah of the, the sirat al-maf'ul being superior to the sirat al-fa'il. وعن سيدنا أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من القرآن سورة ثلاثون آية شفعت لرجل حتى غفر الله وهي تبارك الذي بيد الملك رواه أبو داود والترمذي وقال حديث حسن وفي رواية أبي داود تشفع سيدنا أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه said that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said uh, from the Quran is a surah that is 30 ayahs um, which uh, which shall intercede on the behalf of a man uh, uh, until he's forgiven. Meaning on the Day of Judgment it will intercede on your behalf until it's forgiven. Uh, and it is the, the surah Tabarak al-Ladhi biyadihil mulk, surah al-mulk. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a sunnah to read it after Isha every day. Uh, I don't know if I could. I should say it's a sunnah because I don't know if I've done that much research. But at any rate, it's 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 narrated or reported in the Athar that it's a practice to read it uh, read it every day after Salat al Isha. Um, and uh, um, I'm not saying I don't know because of doubt. I'm saying I don't know because I probably should research it better. If I, I was asked for a reference offhand, I can I couldn't give it, but I'll give it right now. But it's something that uh, that I have heard. Uh, um, before that it's Masnoon to say after Isha every day uh, Why? Because it, 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 it uh, intercedes for you In your grave Funny story My my uh, grandmother, my father's mother Ta'ala, She died when she when my father was very young um, But my grandfather then married her sister afterward Someone in the family gave him advice That you have children And so she'll obviously feel sympathy for your For her deceased sister's children as well so why don't you marry her? She'll make a good mother for them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So she and then she has her own children as well. My my father's half brothers and sisters. So he's making dua for them. It's almost, it's almost uh, inconceivable that they'll ever hear this dars. But khair. Uh, um make dua for them and make dua for me and make dua for each other as well. So uh, our daddy, uh, the the living one, she's illiterate. Uh, she doesn't know how to read and write, uh, but. Strangely enough, she can, she 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 can read Surah Al Mulk. And uh, I I asked her, I said, how do you how did you learn Surah Al Mulk? You don't even know how to read. She said one time a Mulana Sahib, you have to love the Ummah of Islam, Subhanallah. She said, one time there was a Mulana Sahib. He gave a bayan on the radio Pakistan about about how uh, uh, what the reality of Jahannam was. And she said it scared the living daylights out of me that I couldn't sleep for days. And so uh, uh, he mentioned in there that one way of, of, of being saved from it is that the, he mentioned this hadith that, that, that whoever reads the Surah Al-Mulk, it will intercede for them until they're forgiven on the Day of Judgment. So she said, I went, to the, I went and got the tapes of Surah Al-Mulk and I would just listen to the recording and recite it again and again and again until I could say it on my own. I read it every day because of that. So, 
I mean, if a, if an illiterate person can do it, then you know, then we can we can as well. And you're probably saying, well, it's good for you. You're you know, you do all the sheikhi stuff for a living, you know, all day, so it's easy for you to memorize. I memorized these surahs when I was a university student, and I had no idea that I'm going to take this path in life. You can do it. It's not difficult. Just you know, just like I said, instead of listening to NPR or whatever, uh, um, whatever rock and roll you kids listen to nowadays, uh, you know, just. Take some time for the book of Allah Ta'ala, you'll, you'll, you'll remember it, trust me. Read it every day, you'll memorize it. And if you're not good at reading, reading it, you'll probably memorize it faster because you'll be so stuck on it, like each verse, you'll, you'll have to memorize it because it's easier to memorize than read at that point, mashallah. I know what that's, I've, I've done that before, so I know that it's actually easier if you're not good at reading. Uh, inshallah, then maybe this can be the, the last hadith for today. وعن سيدنا أبي مسعود البدري رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من قرأ بالآيتين من آخر سورة البقرة في ليلة كفتاه متفق عليه قيل كفتاه المكروه تلك الليلة وقيل كفتاه عن قيام الليل um, So this is a sunnah of, of going to sleep there, there's, there's a, a bunch of other sunan of going to sleep, inshallah. Uh, hopefully when you guys go on jamaat, the Amir Saab will teach you those sunnas as the adab of Noam, inshallah, before you go to sleep. We won't go through the whole thing right now. But uh, Abu Mas'ud al-Badri radiallahu anhu mentions one of them that from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who said whoever reads two, two ayahs or these two ayahs, uh, uh, the last two ayahs of Surah Al-Baqarah, they'll suffice him for that night. So Nawawi rahimullah ta'ala makes the note that either it means that they'll suffice him as protection from whatever uh, dislike things a person might see happen to them in that night, like sickness or harm or bad dreams or whatever. Uh, or uh, it means that they suffice him in terms of you know, his worship for that night. If that's all he did, then he'll be counted as one of the people who, who prayed in that night. Uh, so it's the last, the last two ayat of, uh, of Surah Al-Baqarah. Amana Rasulu bima unzila ilayhi min rabbihi wal mu'minun. Ila akhir al-ayah. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.